So how are you, Laura? I am very good, thank you. My back hurts. Oh. I'm stiff. Oh, God, last week I talked about losing my voice, and then this week I'm going to be groaning about my back. Anyone would think I was getting old. No, I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, but it's all right for you. Uh, no, I think it's because I haven't really slept in my own bed for the last two weeks. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds like about partying. <laughs> sounds like I've been relegated to the couch, which did happen when I couldn't stop coughing. No, it's because we've been travelling. You know, like the last two weeks I went down to Milton Keynes Geek Night. Oh, was that good? Actually, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I talked a little bit about it last week. Um, but it was really nice to see Relly and to hear Relly speak. How she managed to squeeze an hour into 20 minutes. I thought that was hysterical. Oh, yeah, of course I did hear, hear you talk about <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that was fun. And then I was working away with a client. And then I came home for, like, one day. And then we went off to Smashing Conference this week down in Oxford. I'm quite sad I missed that. It sounded really good. No, we missed you down there because it was such a good, good event. Yeah, I saw um, Seven Vowel last weekend and they were working frantically, just having a lunch break and trying to come up with ideas for what they were going to do. And uh, yeah, it sounded like a big panic, but you knew that they'd pull it off in the end and it sounded like it was amazing, their laser display show. Yeah, I was going to say, for anybody that doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, Sebley and Val Head, they worked on the laser show, which is the surprise opening for Smashing Conf. Like, they always try to do this. They always try to have a, a sort of an unusual intro. Last year it was Dan Rubin and Brad Frost, I think, singing. Oh, yeah. Like the Smashing Band. I couldn't have done that because they didn't play Coat of Many Colours. <laughs> Your one song. That's all I can do. Or Jolene. Or Purple Rain. Don't get me started. <laughs> Um, so, yes, yeah, so no, they did the, the laser show, which was really good. It, it would be. I, 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 You wouldn't have seen it, but Seb did um, his fireworks with lasers a couple of months ago in Brighton, and it was amazing. It ended up being indoors because the weather was so terrible, um, but it made it all the better. The music was great. It worked so well, and all these people interacting, setting these fireworks off that Seb had done with the lasers. It was incredible. And he did it twice, actually. They did it at the beginning, and then I can't remember why. Something to do with not having got a really good uh, HD recording of the whole thing. Um, but he came back at the end and did it again. Oh, that's cool. I thought I saw a photo of people collecting together money to pay for the laser to come back because the equipment's so expensive. Yeah, I can't remember how much it cost now, but yeah, there was a little bit of a whip round, and I think some of the sponsors chipped in a little bit more. And uh, yeah, so we came back and did the reprieve at the end of the at the end of the event, which was great. It was really good. And Paul Boag was the compare. Oh, that's good. Anchoring the whole thing in his usual style. Yeah. He mentioned he's got a new book out apparently, which he talked about every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of the he's running a good sales gag. guy. Yeah, I know, and I don't think anybody. Well, I, I know that a couple of people sort of grumbled about it, but um, I don't think anybody sensible really kind of took offence to it because, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, it would have been very tongue-in-cheek if, it was. Uh, if I know him, yeah. It was very tongue-in-cheek. And uh, he did a talk as well, which is quite unusual. He sort of introduced himself, which I've never seen anybody do. What, a whole talk to introduce himself? He did the intro, then he did his own talk, which is kind of based around the book. and ah. And that was great, actually. I haven't heard Paul speak for... God, well, actually a couple of years, because I saw him in the first Smashing Conference. But uh, you know, he's really good, so that was fun. And uh, we've got a challenge, Paul and I. 
And what's your challenge? Our challenge is we both, because we both need to lose some weight, because we're both kind of, you know, we're both approaching middle age. I think that's how you say it. We've still got a few years yet. Yeah. <laughs> but we're on our way. And we need to lose a little bit of weight, the two of us. So although he weighs a stone less than I do, he weighs, okay. he does weigh 14 pounds less than I do. Um, we both decided that we need to, we need to lose 14 pounds each. So we're going to have a little bit of a race. We're going to have a bit of a, um, a challenge to see who can lose a stone the fastest. That's a good idea. That's a good way to get motivated. Yeah. Cause I'm rubbish. You know, I just like somebody shows me a piece of chocolate cake and I'm just going to cave. Oh, I'm like that. I I can't resist anything. That's one of the reasons I have to go to the gym so much, (laughs) to let me get away with eating naughty things. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I think if I exercised more, then I'd be able to eat the kind of things that I like. But unfortunately, it doesn't quite work like that. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do. I've got to go and weigh, what day is it today? Saturday. So I need to go when we finish this, I need to go and weigh myself. And I imagine I'm about 14 stone three. Right. Um, and I need to get down. Ideally, I need to get down to 13 stone. So I don't know. Maybe we'll set up a little tumbler or something. But the idea is, is that we have to photograph our feet on the scales as proof of what we weigh. <laughs> and then well, that, that is very good. Shaming is a brilliant way of motivating yourself as well. Well, that's the thing. I wonder, though, as we only have to show our feet on the scales, I thought maybe I could put every coat and jumper on that I own and then weigh myself down <laughs> so that obviously, you know, I'm slightly, slightly heavier than I would normally be. But then I thought, no, just stop doing that because I'm just doing it. I'm not doing it for somebody else. I'm doing it for myself, you know? Yeah. There's no point in cheating yourself. No, and you'll feel much better for it. Mm. So I think tomorrow uh, I might go, because I've, I've got to go away again, blimey. Tuesday I've got to go down to Plymouth, which... Uh, we're going to start working on a, a new little project. And me being me, I didn't actually look to see where Plymouth was before I'd agreed to go down there. Yeah, it's pretty far south. And yeah, more, yeah, over in the far away direction from me. I thought that Plymouth was near Portsmouth or Bournemouth, you know, all the muths. Uh, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, it's much more Cornwall-ish area, isn't it? Going further down. Yeah, it's south of Exeter, which is where I'm going to have to fly to from Manchester. So it takes an hour for me to drive to Manchester Airport, and then it's an hour flight to Exeter. And then I've got an hour's drive from Exeter to Plymouth. That's still much better than having to drive the whole lot, though. That'd be a very long way in the car. Man, it takes forever to drive in the car. Yeah, that's such a long time. So I'm not going to be um, at home this week, but so tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday... I'm going to nip down to the local swimming baths and uh, and start swimming. That's good. Just get get the routine going. Work out a day you can go every week to make sure you keep doing it. Well, I really want to go like two or three times a week. But the problem with a lot of kind of public swimming baths, I'm sure it'd be different if there was like a gym or somewhere that had a decent-sized pool around here. But the public swimming baths have... Uh, really odd hours because obviously they, you know, like school parties go and, and use it and they've got their clubs and their, you yeah. know, their old people evenings and things, which maybe I could go to that. <laughs> they'll, they'll be doing aerobics in the water or something. I, the idea of you doing that is hilarious. <laughs> water aerobics, what they call it, aqua. <laughs> what would be so funny? I don't understand what you mean. 
just you you were the little, the little old ladies doing your <laughs> stepping from side to like it's like doing line dancing in the water <laughs> stepping from side to side clapping along to the music <laughs> oh what tunes from the 40s yeah no i could do that totally so that's the thing so the the public hours for going and just doing lens they're not regular. It's not like, you know, between five and six every day, which is be perfect. They just jump yeah. around all the time and then it changes from month to month as well because I was looking at the PDF. Uh, yeah, we'll be with, go with school terms and things like that, I imagine. Yeah, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go tomorrow and, uh, and sort of build up because I used to do swimming all the time. When I was a kid, that was my thing. You know, I used to do a lot of swimming. I used to go two or three times a week and I'd go really early on a Saturday morning and do proper training. God. I was good at it. I was terrible. I was the one person still trying to get my five meter badge where everyone else was getting to have fun time picking stuff up off the bottom of the swimming pool. I was that that one person. I think I actually failed my gold swimming badge, but I was about 30 seconds out and the teacher pitied me. So she gave it to me anyway. This was all before I turned into a 30 a day smoker. Oh yeah, that won't help your lungs. I know. So... And it's been now three years, though. Three years this month since I quit, which I think is quite an achievement. Yeah, that's a very good achievement. I still don't think that I've kind of got the puff for, you know, doing 100 lengths in an hour, which is what the, that's sort of the target that I want to get back to. It's good to have a target, and then you can be proud of yourself when you get there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I should be able to do, you know, based on what I remember doing before, I remember doing 100 lengths or something. So that should be fine. Yeah, do, do 100 lengths two or three times a week. The weight will fall off. It will, and it's very good all over body workout swimming. I'll be an Adonis, <laughs> as opposed to an Adonis kebab. <laughs> I think it's what I am right now. Ah, oh, dear. Speaking of bad food, we should talk about Scotland. <laughs> don't know if they'll appreciate that. No, I don't think it will, but, you know, deep-fried Mars bars and, and Donna kebabs. No, it's, uh, it's our first sponsor of the week, which is the Scotch on the Rocks conference. So Scotch on the Rocks is a conference for web technologists and it's taking place on June the 5th and 6th in the beautiful Scottish capital, Edinburgh. I love it up there. Scotch on the Rocks focuses on web development, best practice and human experience and it's bringing together some of the brightest speakers on those topics from around the world. So speakers include Bruce Lawson, Anna Shipman, Matt Gifford, Kit Hodgson and about 20 more over a full two days. I was just looking at the website earlier on. I really like the title of Bruce's talk, Do You Dare Tour the Sausage Factory? <laughs> Genius. It's not about sausages at all, though. It's about how standard... Oh, sausages. Oh, they're my downfall. <laughs> I not think about sausages. <laughs> I do love a sausage. You know, you got me started. Anyway, his talk, it's about how standards are developed. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does sound really interesting. And there's someone also on called Andy Clark, but he's not me. That's the other Andy Clark. He sounds a lot he sounds a lot cleverer. And he's talking about technical debt is your code base approaching the fiscal cliff, which that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> totally up your street. <laughs> exactly. It's like me in a parallel universe <laughs> where I'm clever. I wonder if he has a beard as well. Not in this universe, maybe in the parallel universe he does. <laughs> not one like this. Scotch on the Rocks has an interesting pricing model. The, uh, the more tickets that get sold, the more you get for your money. So, for example, if 150 people attend, there's a free bar, which is an incentive. 
Bruce Lawson himself, he said about last year's Scotch on the Rocks, lots of chuckles, lots of friendly people and some great sessions. Everything from mediation to personas to Angular JS, whatever that is. And and some whiskey too. It sounds like sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, it sounds like a very broad conference. So this year looks even better. Tickets cost just £155 plus VAT for the full two days and all refreshments and lunch, etc. is included. So go to unfinished.bz slash scotch on the rocks to get your tickets. I like Scotland, actually. I've still never been. I do need to go back up there. I thought we'd talk about working for free today. That's a, a good call. Do you ever? The cheek of it. Yeah, I do sometimes. Yeah. I mean, what sparked it off, what sparked off the idea of talking about this was that I got an email today from a PR company. And it looks like a swanky PR company as well, because clicking through, they've got an office in Canary Wharf in London, so... That's expensive, yeah. One would think, unless it's one of those postal addresses, you know, just like a, a... you know, what are they called? It doesn't sound impressive, yeah. Managed office or oh, something. Oh, a PR company. That's probably the smart kind of thing that they'd do. Exactly. Well, they should know what they're talking about. Um, anyway, this this email. And it was a you know, friendly enough email came through. Um, I'm currently working with the BBC and The Voice UK. Do you watch The Voice on a Saturday? I have seen one episode of it a couple of weeks ago. We actually sat through about two hours of it. Well, a very long time. <laughs> I never watch things like X Factor, though. Anything those sort of crappy Saturday No, I don't time. either. Um, the thing with the BBC ones is they don't have ad breaks, so that tends to mean they have to have a bit more content. Yeah, I've made it through to almost middle age without actually watching a, an episode of the X Factor. Or Big Brother. I've never watched that either. Big Brother used to be good. Uh, not anymore. The first one was very good. But I do watch The Voice. I quite enjoy it. You know, I don't watch it like I don't sit there on a Saturday with with egg and chips. <laughs> <laughs> That's me Saturday tea, and, and watch the Saturday telly. I, you know, I'll catch it on iPlayer if I'm kind of you know sitting around. Anyway, this email is said I'm currently working with the BBC and the Voice UK, managing contestants as they leave the show. Um, and one person I'm really pushing at the moment is Lucy Marie Closier. Anyway, there's a website address there. So this is a she's a singer from Essex, and got bumped off on one of the earlier rounds, like the battle rounds. Okay, yeah. I think I watched one of the battle ones. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. I love it on the website. It says, a 17-year-old pop sensation. Because that was written by a PR person, wasn't it? Yeah. I love this. Another bit here. And I'm not not making fun of the lady, obviously, but making fun of the website. She's a name which is about to take the charts by storm as the future looks very bright for this talented young star. (laughs) Could be about anyone. God, dear PR people. Honestly, love it. Anyway, so she's already got a site and there's a logo on it of sorts. Anyway, the email goes on to say, we're looking for a web design company we can partner with who's prepared to build a site slash logo for Lucy free of charge and in return will get advertising for yourself and brands. <sighs> Big things are happening in Lucy's world at the moment, including a sellout Wembley Arena gig, many TV jobs, and she's currently working with top producers and writers on a debut single and album. So please contact me on to discuss. (laughs) So I thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to write back. Yeah, of course. Well, you should, because people need to be 
told. <laughs> well, I'm just genuinely interested in this sort of stuff. So I wrote back and I said, um, thanks for writing and for thinking about us. I'm a big fan of The Voice. I'm interested in what you said, but could you describe what you mean by advertising? What forms will that take? How many and what type of people will see it? And how will we benefit in return for working for free? I mean, no, that's good. That's asking the proper questions. Fair questions. And could people, yeah. people ask that about the, about sponsoring the podcast? Yeah, of course. You need to know what you're getting for your time or money. Well, particularly as he said the word advertising, you know, advertising for yourself, not just the usual one, which is, is what kind of exposure and a promise of future work. Yeah. Or you can put it in your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So that's genuine questions. And then I said here, you said, Big things are happening in Lucy's world at the moment, including the tour, gig, jobs, producers, album, single, that kind of stuff. Which begs the question, why does she or you have no budget for creative work? <laughs> are the sound engineers at Wembley working for free too? What about the recording studio? Are they donating their time or are they working for advertising too? It's a, it's a good point and a very fair question. I think it's a fair question. I mean, what do you think he meant? I don't know. Advertising could range from anything to banner ads to being able to put your name at the bottom of the website. Yeah, trying it on, I think, is uh, it's more like it. I was thinking about it, though, genuinely. I was thinking, how, what could it possibly be? I mean, the, the most I can possibly think of is a link at the bottom of the website. Yeah. I, I, otherwise, nothing makes sense unless they're saying that they will recommend you to other people. But then they might have explicitly said that if that were the case. So I can't think of I can't think that it's going to be relevant to us at all. But I just wanted to ask the question, really. By asking the question, you make a good point as well by saying that you you need to know that it's worthwhile and you you didn't come down on the last shower. You do <laughs> you you need to have that assurance. It was a heavy shower. What <laughs> <laughs> like a big fat rain shower yeah no i don't know we'll see let's see let's see whether we get a reply from the guy and as well as working for free because you know occasionally we do that you know I'll, I'll i'll do the odd bit here and there yeah it depends who it's for doesn't it i mean if, it, if i feel like it's a good cause yeah if they genuinely have no budget for a good reason and they're not, they can't make a budget come out of thin air like a charity or something like that, then there are definitely causes that deserve it. And sometimes you just want to do something because it's fun as well. You know, it gives you an opportunity for trying something that you might not have normally, you know, found the time to do. Yeah. And the other thing which, the other thing, the time when you might get asked to do something for free is speaking. Yep, you get asked that a lot or m most of the time is speaking, I would say. I thought we'd talk about that for the afternoon. Yeah. Actually, Remy, Remy Sharp, who lives down your way, he wrote a brilliant blog post. It was a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah, it was a really great post. Been saving it until you were back on the show. <laughs> and it's, it's really, it's, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's well, well worth a read. It really is. He, he doesn't pull any punches. He tells it how it is. Well, I was actually just having a look at uh, look at some of the bits here now because he was talking about, uh, well, how does he start off here? Uh, there are many, many new speakers coming to the web community with their stories and standing up on stage and sharing. It's a scary thing to stand up on stage and share your ideas. Too right. Tell you what, it was bloody scary to close off the show at Smashing this week. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, a big job. But I'm sure you did a great job of it. Well, I did the whole speaking without slides thing again. Yeah, and... 
and you still like like it still worked for you no do you know what it worked a hell of a lot better i much preferred doing that closing slot in that big evangelical way it's a, it's, a, it's a closing kind of talk yeah it is a closing time of course. and i was much happier doing that than i was getting up there and talking about flexbox which actually zoe gillenwater did she was speaking at the at the smashing conference and i've not met her before but i've admired her work for years and years and years she wrote a couple of books one of one of them was talking about how to do liquid design properly this was like yeah. long before responsive design yeah so and, and the book's still great now so she stood up and did what i think was the best explanation of flexbox i've ever seen oh i know it was great and paul boag said that he remembers seeing jeremy keith talking about javascript in uh i think it was that first at media conference back in 2005 Mm. And Paul said he remembers at the time, anyway, thinking that JavaScript was just something that you made pop-ups with. Yeah, <laughs> it was ah, like, oh, make a pop-up. But he saw Jeremy speaking. It was like this kind of pivotal moment where he suddenly realised how you know what amazing things you could do with JavaScript. Yeah, and that's how I felt. That's how he felt about Zoe's talk this week. I wonder whether there'll be videos and things because I think that sounds like it's worth watching. Yeah, well, she did post up all of the uh, the slides and the examples and stuff. That's all up already. I put a link oh, in the fantastic. show notes. In fact, I blogged a link to it this week on on stuff and nonsense because it was so good. And there will be video coming up. So I'm really glad that I didn't get up there and try to do some kind of technical talk because I, <laughs> I could never do it as well as she did. No, some people are far better at doing technical talks. Yeah, I've only done it a couple of times. I did it with the CSS animations a, a few, couple of years ago, and I think that was a real failure. I didn't enjoy doing it, and I don't think people enjoyed listening. No, I did one of my first talks. I spoke about HTML and CSS for mobile. Um, it was very early on in responsive days, and a lot of it was about accessibility and things like that. And it went down well, but it was not as much fun. I far prefer doing broader talks, I think, and more design-focused talks as well. Speaking of talks and accessibility and stuff, I, when I got home yesterday afternoon, I caught just the end of some sessions that were happening at EdgeConf oh, yeah. up in London. Um, and I just happened to catch the, the end of the accessibility panel, um, you know, like half an hour or so. And it was good, you know, it's a good good points raised but i just sat there thinking god blimey are we still talking about that it's exactly the same things as we were talking about 10 years ago yeah the problem is that people don't find it as exciting as performance and things like that and so they don't speak about it which means that you end up having swathes of developers who are newish to the industry and don't have a clue about accessibility because no one's ever talked about it no one's mentioned it in a blog post where they're talking about something else it's just not spoken about even as much as it was, I think, when I was starting out. Um, when I was learning, it seemed to be a blog post was written and then and as part of that, someone would explain what the implications were for accessibility. Nowadays, nobody does that. I mean, they were talking about the importance of semantic markup and using the right elements for the right thing. And, for example, not using a div with some JavaScript on it instead of using a button element. Yeah. And I'm thinking, who in their right mind would use a div with JavaScript instead of a button element when the button element's the right thing for the job? But obviously people do. Yeah, oh yeah. I was. I got an email this week from um, a very nice man who 
Um, he has a furniture shop with a website and he's had this website made for him and he'd seen my accessibility talk online and wanted to know my opinion of the site. And the site itself is easy to read and the text isn't too small and it's fairly well laid out. But the HTML was, I think, generated by Dreamweaver or something like that by someone that wasn't too sure about what they were doing. And I was I wrote him a few tips and things back I said you'll have to pass this on to the developer um but there were yeah there was so many divs when there could have been paragraphs or um even headings with divs I just can't believe that people still do that because it's not like they've been brought no. up with bad habits you know from before we knew about semantic markup or web standards or anything like that it's like you know these people are just coming out of college or you know newish as you say and you think they'd know the right way to do things oh man it's so frustrating i think everyone's been told that html is easy um and so they haven't actually bothered learning it properly <laughs> because html isn't too difficult but you still need to understand what you're doing with it we're seriously digressing off the point aren't we <laughs> yeah, you, you got me on one of my ranting topics. <laughs> I love doing that. I love getting, I love pushing you down. <laughs> Off she goes. <laughs> Back to Remy's post. And he was basically talking about, and, and as I say, it's well worth a read. And the comments, it's one of the few places where I've seen a really great discussion going on in comments for ages. Almost makes me want to put comments back on my own site. <laughs> Not yeah. that I ever write anything that you know will kind of prompt anything like that. But so he's talking about speaking and about the cost of actually speaking and what goes into to financially what goes into you know actually turning up and, and standing up on stage. And yeah. he's talking about you know there's obviously your time working on slides when you could be working on project work. There's flight or train or taxi costs or the cost of a hotel. And then there's a time for your day at the event as well. And it says here, Remy says, you might generate work during some awesome high-fiving network session. <laughs> and then, yeah, you have a free <laughs> ticket. But most new speakers I know have their head in their presentation until it's all over. So you're out of pocket. And for what? Which makes a really good point. Yeah, well, and even if you're not a new speaker, I think you're likely to have your head in you talk until you've completed it. That's one of the things that changing the way that I prepare for talks now has improved things a bit, actually. Because I used to sit there, literally, I'd sit through the speaker who was on before me and I'd still be shuffling slides around. And I think I was doing it because I, it was almost like cramming, you know, I was still, still trying yeah, to just make yeah. sure that I was comfortable with what I was going to say. But having more of a script, you know, some more detailed notes and having those prepared in advance now, I don't, I don't do that as much. Um, so what I, did, what I did this time was I went out for a walk. Oh, that's a good way because that's my problem too is I tend to be prepared ahead of time, but I still need to relax and get into the right frame of mind. So even if I'm sitting there watching somebody's talk before mine, I can't concentrate on what they're saying. No, I went out for a walk. In fact, Sue and I just you know, took a walk around the block. I couldn't walk too far or too fast because, to be honest, hopefully nobody noticed who was at the event, but my trousers were a little tight. <laughs> <laughs> hence, the, uh, hence the needing to loosen my weight because, man, they were just on, they were on the verge. There was <laughs> another pound 
and those trousers were not going to stay on. <laughs> that could have been a slapstick moment. No, well, actually, there was a, a previous event that I was at. I think it was one of the last at medias where I went on. I shouldn't really say this on the podcast. I went <laughs> I went to the loo just before I was supposed to go on, on and speak and the button popped off the top of my trousers, my suit trousers. <laughs> and at the same time, the zip jammed, the fly zip. So, <laughs> but the, the, I'm glad that the zip jammed because the only thing that was holding my trousers up for that entire talk was this broken zip. So if it had suddenly come loose in the middle of your talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all the way through, I'm thinking, don't, don't pop, don't pop. Oh dear. So no, we went out for a walk and that helped a lot. But yeah, anyway, we digress again. We're talking, we're talking about everything but. It is a very expensive thing to do to speak at an event. Even if you, even if you don't count the travel costs and the hotel, it's the amount of time it takes to prepare a talk is not the amount of time it takes to give a talk. It takes, I remember somebody once said, suggested that probably the right thing to bear in mind is, an hour for every minute um, of the talk. And I'd say that's probably about right for me normally. 60 hours. If I'm including all the time that I'm walking the dog and mulling it over in my head, writing little notes down on my phone, get, like collecting all my ideas and thoughts together. I think that's about right. I think it takes me less time with this new way because obviously I'm not building slide decks. Yeah, oh, I've got this annoying habit of deciding to do something dramatic with my slides and then stressing out for three days while I execute it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sort of done with slide decks now. Uh, I think that if I do use them again, then there'll just be one or two just to reinforce, you know, a, a key point here or there. Yeah, I think that's how Mark Bolton seems to be doing his talks that I've seen recently. He sort of has a few little, like some titles in a hand handwritten on the slide and just has those that occasionally change. So the main point about Remy's post was that we should be paid as speakers. Well, not we, everybody that speaks uh, should be paid, at least having your expenses covered, even if it's a non-profit event. Yeah, because a non-profit event doesn't mean that they don't make any No, exactly. doesn't mean to say that they haven't got money coming in because, you know, there's likely going to be... I don't know, there might be some kind of ticket sales, there might be uh, sponsorship from different places. Yeah, and often the organisers will pay themselves for their time spent. And I really like doing smaller local events. I mean, um, we didn't get to be together at the uh, the one up in Scarborough. I really enjoyed that one as a small kind of local event. Um, I really yeah. enjoyed Milton Keynes Geek Night uh, the other day. Neither of those events paid me. No. In fact, no, what did they do? At Milton Keynes, uh, I got my hotel paid for. Yes, I did as well when I spoke there. Then. Yeah, a night in the Jewies Inn and a really nice pen, which is turning into my favourite pen as a little bit of a thank you. Oh, yes, I got a nice pen as well. Oh, I thought I was special. <laughs> no, not special. Ah, <laughs> or I'm as special. <laughs> so no, I, that's the kind of thing. And smaller kind of local events, and I really like doing those kind of things. I wouldn't expect to get a big fat speaking fee for going to no, something they're, like No, the that. tickets are free for those events. They 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 run it off sponsorship. If it's a large event, you know, if it's a big kind of headlining thing, you know, a big kind of I don't know what the best way to describe it really. A com- should we just call it a commercial conference? 
Yeah, usually larger audiences is probably the most noticeable difference between those events, I'd say. They're sort of there when you get to 150 plus people, ones that charge for tickets. Yeah, I mean, I have done things where we've, where it's been a larger audience and they've charged for tickets, but we've still not been paid. I remember the first uh, new, new Adventures in Nottingham. Yeah. Everybody that spoke on that first one was just doing it, you know, because we wanted to be there and we wanted to do it. And we all waived our speaker fee. Yeah. You know, no, no, nobody got paid for that. You know, we got nice kind of experience to, to be there. But did you, you must have had your travel and your hotel covered. Yeah, we had hotel covered. And I mean, what's a train fare? You know, nothing. Because I think that that's the point that Remy's making is that a lot of conferences, they don't even, they don't pay for your travel or accommodation. And that's what makes it costly for speakers to speak there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just put, sort of putting aside for one minute the amount of time that you take to prepare. Yeah. Because, you know, quite often we'll repeat talks. And if you've already done that preparation, I mean, there's always a bit of, you know, remixing, isn't there? Yeah. But if you've got that talk material, then, you know, you can use it in different places. But the time that you spend getting there and the cost that you spend getting there, and the, you know, the, the overnight stay in the travel lodge, that shouldn't come out of your own pocket. No. And I think that's the point he was making. It is. It's very expensive doing that. Even going up, I find even going up to London um, to speak at an evening event, it, I, I have to buy a travel card from Brighton, which costs an absolute fortune. Well, I think that, and this is kind of implicit in what I think Remy was saying, is that it's a matter of respect, really. If you want somebody to be respecting your event by delivering a great talk, then you're going to have to respect them in return by making sure that, you know, expenses are covered at the very least. Yeah, well, because these are the people that are making the event exist. Without the speakers, you wouldn't have any content. You wouldn't have the reason for putting on the event in the first place. And I think there is a difference because there are some people that we know that are employed by somebody else. You know, they work for Google or Microsoft or Mozilla or... Yeah, the evangelist, yeah. Exactly. I hate that word, though. Does it people actually be called that? It, yeah. It, I think it's kind of appropriate, though, a lot of the time. <laughs> well, pe- there are people that we know um, that will be paid to be there. You know, they're being paid by their company. They get up and do a good talk. And, you know, and lots of them do great talks. It's not like they're kind of some kind of corporate shill. You know, no, they're, they're not They're not sponsor. I mean, whilst their company may sometimes sponsor it, they don't give sponsor talks. They give talks that are genuinely interesting. They are genuinely good speakers. They've had the time to develop that as well. And we, we mentioned Bruce Lawson earlier on. I mean, I've seen him do some incredibly good and useful talks as well. Chris Mills, the same. Yeah, and they're never just, they're not, they're never sales talks. I've never seen, I've not seen Chris speak, but I'm sure he's the same. Um, with Bruce as well, they don't do salesy talks. This is, I think, you know, for people that are self-employed, like us, yeah. um, then, you know, you, you, it's not, it's just not good business. It's really no. not good business to be able to, uh, you know, spend the time to go do it. Yeah, I think sometimes organisers will say, well, you'll get the exposure and uh, it's good marketing, but you don't get enough, you wouldn't get enough work from that. And it's, it's, that's still a risk. Where do you stand on young rising star track style, new people's track, um, not being paid? Because it, 
came up in Remy's post. Yeah. And I've known about it for some time in the past. I think Anna uh, might have mentioned it and a few other people might have mentioned it. Uh, conferences where they don't pay, they might have um, a speaker fee for their kind of main headline speakers. Yeah. But if there's a, a young or a rising stars track, they don't pay even expenses for, for, for those people. And I've, I, there was one conference that does this and that's the reason why, one of the reasons why I stopped wanting to go and speak for them because I felt that it was highly inappropriate that I was getting, you know, a bunch of money to stand up there. And yet somebody else who may have even had to travel in from another country or come yeah. up from Brighton. They weren't having any of those things paid. And I, and I thought that was unforgivable. And it was one of the reasons why I stopped supporting that particular brand of conference. Well, it does, it creates a divide between two different types of speakers. It's saying that they value one much more so than the other. Uh, well, I actually did do one of the talks as a rising star on one of those unpaid events. My, reward for doing so was a free ticket to the conference and I think when I did it I was actually unaware that anyone got paid I was naive and I didn't actually realize well I mean it's probably not the same anymore but there was a situation with 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 a particular conference where I knew that I was being paid as a main speaker and even some of the other main speakers were not being paid um, and I, and I thought that that was a real kind of double standard. But in the, um, in the comments on Re, Re, um, Remy's post, there's, uh, Louise Morgan. She runs the Future Insights conferences. Yeah. Um, you know, Future Ofs. Uh, was it Future of Web Design and Future of... Yeah, Future of Web Apps. Web Apps uh, and, things like that, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And she actually says here um, in the comments, although our main speakers are paid a fee and expenses, you're correct in pointing out that we often feature rising stars in our lineup who are not always paid a set fee. The Rising Stars track was and is designed to give a platform to emerging speakers and indeed some who haven't had any previous speaking experience whatsoever. In general, those speakers are mostly from the local area and do not have to travel very far as we want to minimise their overheads. Well, I mean, to be fair, I've known people for, of that particular conference that have tried to raise money to fly in. I remember there was one lady that was trying to raise money to fly over to speak at a future of web design in the UK and she was coming from the US. Yeah. Might, it might have been fair to do that five years ago, but there are now so many grassroots smaller local events and it's not it's not like a smaller events like you know Milton Keynes Geek Night or Revolution in Shrewsbury it's, it's not like it's an, an, an amateur hour it's not like it's an unprofessional no, not event at all, no. you're getting some incredibly good people up there speaking it's such an opportunity for for people to actually you know practice and show what they've got yeah there's so many even I would say smaller events that are more bar camp like or meet up like as well and they might have a, a few lightning talks and there are a lot of much better ways to get experience locally yeah people have much more of a platform now i think the idea of kind of giving a short talk at milk Keynes geek night for example it was a nice format actually I don't know whether they did it when you were there but there was there was me and relly and you know we banged on for 20 minutes or more but in the middle they had um, three little five-minute slots. Yeah, yeah, they did that when I was there, yeah. That was just so good. Yeah, it's a really a nice way to get a taster of 
some new speakers doing interesting topics. And if you're not getting onto something like that, then actually just putting something up online, you know, recording something yourself, putting it on YouTube. Yeah, I've, had, I've got speaking slots at conferences um, by doing that before, by recording yeah, myself just talking about something for five minutes or so. I still, I still think that it's unforgivable not to pay people. Yeah, it's, it's just not respecting the amount of time they're putting into it. The other thing that I think is kind of along the same lines, which we don't talk about often, in relation to conferences anyway, talk about it in relation to everything else, is contracts. Yeah. And I've actually started now to insist that we have a contract signed for each event. Do you write, do you have, do you write that yourself or do you expect it from their side? No, I, I'm actually in the process of writing a little contract killer for conferences. I've done a couple of different versions. That sounds very sensible. And I'll probably put it out in the same way as I put the other contract killer out. Because, you know, there's all kinds of things that I think need to be in there. There's all, all these little hidden things, you know, little things that kind of crop up sometimes. Yeah, a, a lot of the time you assume that someone not, expects the same things as you do, and they don't. I mean, I've had situations in the past where I've kind of half agreed to do something or completely agreed to do something and you block that time away in your diary uh, and then the event doesn't happen. Yeah. I've known, this has never happened to me, but I've known other people who have spoken at some pretty big, well-known conferences um, and not been paid for six months, even if it's, you know, a 500 quid fee. Yeah. You know, and the tickets cost, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You know, the guy standing up there hasn't been paid for, for six months. So I think it's incredibly important. It doesn't matter how big or small the uh, the event is, I think that you should have a contract. An event apart do this very well. They won't, you know, they don't even book flights um, until you sign the contract. That's good. It does include lots of other little things that people don't often think about, like who owns your content, that's a really good point because the amount of conferences that film you and then post video online without even asking you is uh, is not really on because especially if you want to reuse that content, they're making it less valuable. Well, hold that thought because we just need to do another sponsor and then uh, we'll come back and talk about that. I think listeners would notice if I started talking about a product that I didn't use or that I didn't think was a good fit for the show, which is why I only talk about products that I actually really do use and like. And that's why I'm really pleased that I can talk about Mac Rabbit's Espresso on the show. Because Espresso is the editor that I've used to write code every day for about as long as I can remember. And I've used it so much so often that I just can't imagine using anything else to write me HTML and CSS. Because it's got all the tools that I need to make writing and editing code simple and efficient. You know, I write a lot of CSS, as you might imagine. And Espresso's got MacRabbit's award-winning CSS edit tools built right in. It's got CodeSense, Folding, Smart Snippets, Drag and Drop Navigator, and, you know, they just help us write better code in much less time. And I also use the Search and Replace quite a lot as well. Love that feature. You know, especially when I'm going from a site that I've developed with Hammer to uh, something that I'm going to work on in Perch, you know, where I can just replace kind of hammer variables or you know, hammer includes with Perch includes. And it's got quick filtering and color highlighting and uh, just makes searching for things much easier. Now, everybody's workflow is going to be slightly different. So Espresso features a flexible workspace 
And when you're ready to see how your work's going to look in a browser, it's got a fantastic web preview that's got X-ray, so you can see how the HTML and the CSS that you're writing affects the pages that you're building. And it also visualizes margins and padding as well to help you quickly find and edit the relevant style for an element. And then when you're ready, sync, publish your work to a web server with Espresso's built-in tools. So I've tried using other text editors. I had a go at, um, I downloaded, oh God, what do they call it now? Sublime Text. Oh yeah. Because everybody had been kind of banging on about that. Literally, I downloaded it, installed it, couldn't even start, couldn't even understand where to start. Didn't know how to open a file. Yeah, I had to ask for help when I first started using it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't understand how to set up a project. So literally, time between downloading it and deleting it was something about five minutes. <laughs> I always find myself coming back to Espresso. And, you know, I can't, can't imagine using anything else. So Espresso is available from unfinished.bz slash Espresso. And it's only $75. But... Listeners to the show, they can get a fantastic 10% discount when you use the offer code unfinished at the checkout. And that's espresso. Back to content then. Yeah. Bruce Lawson pointed out in the comments on Remy's post. He said, some conferences ask you to sign something saying they own your content or can reuse it, sell it, sell CDs with it, etc." Tell them to sling their hook. <laughs> <laughs> they won't express it like that. It'll be some blah, blah, blah about unlimited rights to exploit the content, including partners, affiliates, blah, blah, blah. Man, I know about this. I remember one of the, I think it was Future Ofs, yeah. where they would sell packages of, of speakers' material after the event. Yeah. And you would not be compensated or remunerated for it at all. No. Even if they hadn't paid you a speaker's fee. Yeah. Which was, again, one of the reasons why I, I, you know, I decided I, I wasn't going to support that event. Yeah, I believe that what, that happened to me um, when I spoke there for free. And I just think that you've taken the time to prepare this material. It's your material. You're delivering it there. You're giving them almost a license for them. I'd, I wouldn't mind if, for example, if they were to stream it. I think that would be completely appropriate. And that's quite a modern thing to do. That's happening more and more so that people that can't afford to travel to an event can join in as well. And I don't even mind if that's a, you know, a paid for thing. You know, if people are watching online, it's no different to somebody sitting there in front of you. No. But I think the the idea of actually sort of selling that on afterwards. Yeah, well, what they should do is they should pay you royalties. That's what it, that's what it would happen in any other industry. Well, and that wouldn't be any different from making a video for, for example, Lender.com like I did years ago. You know, we get a, a monthly royalty or a quarterly royalty from people buying that Oh, stuff. I didn't know they did it that way. That's very good. The thing that I've done um, that's generated the longest running revenue is that little Linda CSS course that I did. I think it was 2005. And we still get about, about $100 a month from that. Wow, that's really good. I know. So I think that if I was going to do a video thing, which I am kind of half considering, I would probably go back to Linda's or someone like Linda and distribute it through that because it's proven to be, you know, it's never been a huge earner, but it's been regular and reliable over the years. Yeah, that's a good little sort of drip feeding to have going on in the background. Pays for swimming lessons, doesn't it? Yeah, we'll pay for web hosting or something like that. Piece of cake. <laughs> Sometimes the, one of the problems with having the conference videoed and then put out online is 
if you're going to give that talk elsewhere in maybe different events or different places around the world, you don't really want that thing online, you know, until maybe you finish the year. Yeah, I I find that I, I want control over which version as well. So I gave the same talk at a few places last year and there's a video of it on YouTube and a few other videos as well. But the one that got circulated the most is the one where I think I could have done better or the one where I hadn't done it as many times and so I hadn't refined it quite as much as I would have liked to. Well, I know that they videoed the talks at Smashing Conference this week. The last time I had a, a, a video done was when I was, I still had uh, event parts to do. But I still was lined up to do, you know, two or three events for them, you know, and I was going to do the same talk. And I specifically said to the organizer, please don't put that video out until the end of the year when all of the, when all of the event parts are done. Yeah. Because I just didn't want to spoil it for people that were coming, you know, maybe later on in the year. Yeah, that's a considerate thing to do because you're, you're valuing in turn the money that they're spending on their ticket. As it happens, I haven't got any more event parts lined up. I mean, I might end up going to some, but I've got nothing else booked in the in the diary. So, if Smashing Conference want to put that out, then that'll be you know that'll be fine. But I'd look forward to see it, actually. It would be nice if they asked in those kinds of situations, or at least if we have it in in a document that we can give to them. One of the things that an event apart are doing this year, which I think is genius, and I think every conference should do it, is. They're videoing all the talks, but they're not putting them out anywhere. They're literally just giving you your, a video of your talk. Wow, that's very kind. Yeah, and it's not for us to put out anywhere. It's not for us to, you know, um, you know, I might be able to use it in your own showreel, but it's not a public thing. Yeah. Uh, it's really designed for you to watch it back and then see where you can improve. And do you do, you do that when you see the videos? Do you watch it back? I did sit and cringe through yeah, the event apart one. I can't yes. do it. I'm just about, I can listen to a podcast for a bit now where I'm speaking, but I can't watch a video. Oh, I can't bear it. And, uh, Aral keeps trying to convince me to do it because it says, he says it does make you improve enormously, but oh, yeah, too cringy. I remember him telling me before handheld about um, I forget the term he used now, but it was about sort of planting your feet in the middle of the stage and staying there. Yeah. Rather than doing that thing that, that I did a lot, which is basically just to wander around aimlessly. And I, I thought I'd taken that on board. And then I walked, I watched back the event apart video and I did that thing where I walked from side to side for the first 20 minutes. Yeah. It just looked so distracting. I thought if somebody's sitting there, just it's, the focus is taken off what I'm saying and onto me just sort of aimlessly wandering around. Yeah. So it was useful to see that video. So hopefully it's smashing. I didn't do that as much. Yeah, I think it's probably quite nice as well. If you can see that you are improving, it should help your confidence and nervousness. Not, not you personally, but <laughs> people in general. No, it's, it's incredibly valuable. Brian Suda talking about videos and, and showreels and bits and pieces. Uh, Brian Suda emailed the show a couple of weeks ago, actually, but I've been holding off on this one. Um, and he said, I'm putting together a page on my personal site that basically outlines what you need to do if you want me to speak at your event. And it's suda.co.uk slash speaking is the URL. Put a link in the show notes. Um, and he says, it's still rough around the edges, but I wanted to create something a bit more public. And then on the page... 
basically says, you know, if you charge into tickets, then expect to compensate him in some way. And there's a real kind of, I love this little sentence here. It says, for small organizations, nonprofits, and free events, I understand it's hard to be able to pay your speakers and I'm willing to work with you. For larger for-profit events, I'm giving up a few hours of my time to be away from my work, not to mention preparation time. These hours need to be compensated for in some way. And I'm open for discussion. Do you know what? I really need to do that. As well as putting this contract together, I think I really need to put together a similar page or a PDF yeah, that's what Aral has, has done for years. And he has a, a great one that also details um, travel information um, because then the organisers can bear in mind how much it will cost to fly you or get the train from one place to another because of the airports that you're nearest to and things like that, which is also really useful if an organiser is not based in the country because I've been in situations before where they've booked us to fly in or out from Stansted Airport, because they're all London airports, aren't they? Not realising that if you're in Brighton, Stansted's quite a long way away. I remember, um, and this is this is going back to 2011, so it's, it's a few years ago now, but there's a guy called Richard Stallman, who is a, a, a free software yep. evangelist yeah, guy. Yeah, uh, And it was doing the rounds. His rider, his conference, his speaking rider was doing the rounds. Um, again, I found it here. I'll put a link in the show notes. And a lot of people kind of made fun of that at the time because it did go on and on and on. And there were some, you know, incredibly interesting things in there, like, <laughs> um, please don't buy me a parrot. <laughs> just trying to, I'm just Googling this thing now. Let me just, uh, let me just find, let me just search through this document looking for parrot. If you can find a host for me that has a friendly parrot, I will be very glad. If you can find someone who has a friendly parrot I can visit with, that will be nice too. Don't, <laughs> I'm not making this up. Don't buy a parrot figuring that it will be a nice surprise to me. <laughs> it sounds like that's something that happened, doesn't it? To acquire a parrot is a major decision. It is likely to outlive you. If you don't know how to treat the parrot, it could be emotionally scarred. <laughs> Spend many decades feeling frightened and unhappy. Oh, so, so it is. A, it is a funny uh, to lighten the the mood, is it? It must. No, be. no, he's totally no, he's totally he's serious. serious about this. Oh no, it's completely serious. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes <laughs> to it. So I, I'm not going to talk about putting a rider together, but I do think that it's important that we put things in there, like if it's over a certain amount of. I mean, I, I, I never ask for first class airfare, for example, or first class rail travel. No, you might put, please don't fly me on Ryanair in there. Something like that. And I'm sure there are people that do that. I generally kind of travel with my own little MiFi now. So if it's in the UK, then I'm not going to want, um, I'm not going to worry about Wi-Fi, for example. But when you go abroad, yeah, it's expensive sometimes. You know, you go to, you get, you know, you get to some hotels and they're still charging you, particularly, um, where was I? can't remember where the last place I was. It was still charging me like 25 quid a day. Yeah, and it's, yeah, otherwise you have the, the free one that's barely usable or that you have to pay a fortune for it. So these things I need, I, we need, I need to put down, and that's the kind of thing I think that it's important to put into a contract as well. Yeah. So we should wrap it up. Yeah. People could follow you, Laura, on Twitter. You are Laura Cowback. Yeah, as I am everywhere. Or me, at Malarkey. To ask questions or suggest topics, you can message the show on Twitter at unfinishedbz, or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were Scotch on the Rocks conference in Edinburgh and Espresso. 
You can support our show by supporting them.